and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, false teachers mean that we should all do wary, that's W-A-R-Y, and careful witnessing. Witnessing is equal parts of mercy and fear. Jude verse 23. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. We need to point them to the Savior. If we will live steady and not caving into false teachers last, we will need to be wary in our witnessing. Careful in our witnessing. Verse 23, second part. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Let's see, when a brother or a sister in Christ who's a sincere doubter is to have a compassionate, convincing ministry from us, and when it's a plain garden variety lost person, we are to urgently evangelize, but when it's a lost person who has been corrupted by false teachers, then we are to do this wary witnessing. When you have a lost person who's been corrupted by posing Christians, counterfeit Christians, false teachers, and they're even more lost because of the false message, we are to witness to them in a wary manner, in a careful manner. We are commanded to mingle equal parts of mercy with equal parts of fear when we give Christ to those poor souls. And on some have mercy, how? With fear, how? Hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. We have mercy on the corrupted lost person. We fear being ourselves corrupted by the misguided and contaminated person's contagious living. So that'll never happen to me. Well, I've talked to many Jehovah's Witnesses, but not one has ever set foot in my home because I didn't invite them. We talk on the porch or on the driveway or the lawn, but I do not ask them in. They're not welcome inside my house. Because they're not only lost, they're corrupted by false teachers. As verse 23b puts it, the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. This is why, when talking with Jehovah's Witnesses, I endeavor to mix equal parts mercy with fear, and I don't let them go until I've shared my hope in Christ with them on my lawn. Usually goes like this. You want to tell me something? Yes, we've come to tell you something. I said, how long do you think that might take? Oh, usually about 20 minutes. I said, how about five? Well, how about five? Okay. And I said, I'll give you five if you give me five last. And if they give me five at the end, I'll give them five at the beginning. On some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Of course, the principle of not inviting them into my home is in 2 John 7 to 11. It's not just my idea. 2 John 7 to 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes out too far and not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching he is both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. 
and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. And so we don't invest in the deceiving ministries of false teachers, not even to have them into our homes for coffee or Coke. We're wary witnesses. I think you'd agree that Jude 17 to 23 is very practical. These verses instruct us to be steady against false teachers and to be about God's business. And we will be doing both as we engage in spiritual growth, spirit-led prayer, obedient and faithful living, eager expectation of Jesus' return, compassionate convincing, urgent evangelism, and wary witnessing. And so let me just plug my name into it. Rob, ready, steady, go. Steady involves smelling a rat and then not caving into it. Steady also involves being about God's business. Second church I pastored in had a lot of firefighters. And one of the firefighters there was Joe. And Joe told me that sometimes he acts as the driver for the fire chief. And what this means is that where Joe goes, the chief is, or the chief establishes where Joe goes. When the chief speaks, if the chief wants Joe to speak, Joe speaks for the chief. At any fire scene, the fire chief can't be running to and fro in the midst of fighting the fire because he needs to objectively observe from one vantage point and strategically deploy the firefighters throughout the course of fighting the fire. The driver of the fire chief for that fire call has the responsibility of being a liaison between the fire chief and the men who are fighting the fires. And so Joe told me when he told me this story, he was five years service as a firefighter, and a man named Bill was 45 years in the service. But when he, the five-year man was assigned to be the chief's driver for that fire, then the five-year man on behalf of the chief, could tell a 45-year service firefighter what to do. And if the 45-year service firefighter didn't obey the chief's driver with five years seniority, then he was in big trouble after the fire. In this church age, believers like you and me are drivers for the fire chief of our salvation. He has told us how he will fight the fire in his word. And he has said, you are my drivers. You have authority to take my firefighting plan, my salvation to lost people perishing in the fire of sin. Don't let anybody look down on you for your youthfulness. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're a novice in the faith. Don't let anyone look down on you because you don't have a degree on the wall of your house. You are drivers for the fire chief of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your practical word tonight. We pray that we would take it to heart and take it to action, that we would love you and obey you, and that we would rescue people from the fire. Lord, give us that privilege. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and I am the youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church, and we want to welcome you to another edition of You Talk. In our last episode, we talked about social media, and I told you that we would be looking at different questions about social media over the next couple of weeks. 
last week. We talked about how 92% of teens report going online daily. 71% of teens use more than one social networking site. And Facebook is the most popular platform for teens. But you may be listening and think that's for teenagers. But as we saw last week, that nearly three quarters of adults online use social networking sites as well. So social media is something that we can all relate to whether we're younger or we're older. We can all relate to social media and we all know that people use social media all the time. What we want to look at as the, the verse, uh, the, the challenges as we think of everything that we put on social media, we talked about Colossians 3, 16 to 17. And it said this, that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is, like I said, this is what we want to say is how we should view everything we put on social media, that we should want to give thanks to God for what he has done. The three questions that we had last week were, are you seeking to glorify God through social media? And we talked about 1 Corinthians 10, 31, a verse that we all know. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Another question we looked at last week was, does social media lead you to sin? And this is just a challenge. If, if it's leading you to sin, then maybe you need to just stop. You need to take a break. You need to not be on social media. And the last one we looked at was, does your speech build up or tear down? And we know that the tongue is the most deadliest weapon that we have. We may say, well, we're not using our tongue, but typing is words that we express from our hearts. So this morning, we want to continue, and we want to look at three more questions that we want to challenge ourselves to think about, what am I doing on social media? And is it bringing honor and glory to God? Because I think if we ask ourselves that question, that would be, that's the key to everything that we do in life, and especially on social media. So our fourth question is, do people see the light of Christ in you based on what you post? Matthew 5, 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we said, social networks present an opportunity to let your light shine so that others can see and they can see hope in Christ. And today we have so many different social media sites that, um, that a lot of different verses can be orchestrated on and you can repost these verses. And a lot of people do this. And we need to bring light. As we know, as we look in our social media walls or whatever social media network that we use, we see a lot of negative. We see a lot of things, especially as we think of our country. We, we know there's a lot of different social networks that, that use um, videos and, and they don't bring on the glory to God. In fact, they, they make you in this country afraid or, you know, upset. But we as Christians are called in whatever we do to bring a light of Christ because the light of Christ lives in us and we are to shine for Christ. They, the people should see our good works. Like I said, we have an opportunity to share Christ through social media. We have an opportunity to either bring people towards Christ because they know our lives, they know that we identify with Christ. They will see Christ or we either push people away from Christ because of what we post on social media. And I think that we need to understand something about social media because a lot of people get upset because someone may come to you and say, hey, you know, why did you post that on social media? And people will say, well, are you a Facebook stalker? Well, the reality is once you push posts, that is for the whole world to see. 
And the whole world sees what you posted and they, they identify that with you. So if you call yourself a Christian, you want to be a light that shines bright. Because like I said, there's a lot of negative going on on social media networking. The fifth question we're going to look at is this. Is social media your master? 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things love me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Don't become a slave to the computer. Don't become a slave to your phone as every time someone posts something on your wall, it comes up. Do you need to check every notification that comes up? Or can you just go a few times a day and look at your phone and say, you know, let me see what someone has said. And we all have a habit because today in, in our culture, we all carry smartphones and almost any time if we, if we have a data package and it dings, we want to look to see what's happening. I want to ask you, what has become your master? Who is your master? If we are all honest with ourselves, a majority of us, we can honestly say, and I'm putting myself in this, that our phones do become our master. Our phones become the thing that we, we stay in contact with the world. And like I said, a phone, like I said, it can be used for positive and it can bring, be used for negative. But when we allow social media to be the master of our lives, we take Christ and we put Christ at second place. I want you to think about that for a second and ask yourself, what do you spend the most time in a day looking at or doing? Is it looking at your Instagram wall or your Facebook wall or tweeting? What do you use your time for? Because we, if we're all honest at times, sometimes we just waste time looking on Facebook and, and Instagram. But let me see what's happening. Let me go through everyone's wall. Let me find out what's going on. And we waste time. Which brings me to the sixth and final question that we want to look at today. Does your use of social media help you to redeem the time? Ephesians 5, 16 says this, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Let's be honest. Some social media sites act as a black hole and suck up our, all of our time. Again, like I said in our previous question, we can look at Facebook and we can check one thing and stay on it for one hour. And then the hour goes by and then we're on there for another hour because all we're doing is wasting time because somebody has told us, you need to check this video out. It's so funny. And you go on and you go on and you go on. And then you, you realize, you know what? I just wasted an hour of my time. And let me be real with you this morning. If you waste an hour of your time, you can get the time back. And for us as parents, if you're listening, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Sometimes we do this with our kids. Where we are on our computers, we are at work all day and we come home and we still are checking on our social media when we should be spending time with our kids. For our teenagers out there who are listening, you may think to yourself, well, I'm, going on, I'm only going to check one thing before I go to bed. And you realize you wasted your time where you didn't even study for that test that you may have coming up or that homework that you were supposed to do. Because you know what happens is we get so involved in what's going on in social media that we don't even think of anything else. And that's why I love this verse, because it says in the first part, look carefully then how you walk. In fact, we can say, look carefully how, what you are doing. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. And like I said, Satan would want you 
to spend your time wasting time on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. He would want you to do that because he realized that if he gets you in that, then you won't spend time reading the Bible, won't spend time praying to God. This is what Facebook has become. It has become something that just takes over our lives. So I want to just challenge you. As we are closing this session off, I want us to understand and, and just think about those three questions again. Do people see the light of Christ in you based on what you post? Will they know you're a Christian by what, you, what they see you put on there? Will they know that you identify with Christ, that that way your identification is? Or will they say, gee, wonder what so-and-so, what are you posting? The other question is this, so is social media your master? Has it become your master? Has it become what you live for that the first thing when you wake up in the morning, you pick up your phone to see what is going on? And the last thing, does your use of social media help redeem the time? What are you, how are you wasting your time? How are you balancing time on social media? Like I said at the previous session we had, the first session, social media can be a great tool to use. But... If we are honest with ourselves, the majority of the time, we don't use it to bring honor and glory to God. In fact, it takes away time that we could be spending in the Word of God, studying His Word, and seeing Christ for who He truly is. So I'd like to, again, thank you for listening this morning. And I pray that as we go through this, this series on social media, that it will really challenge our hearts and our lives, and that we would understand exactly that we are to bring honor and glory to God in everything that we do. I want to thank you for listening again. This is Pastor Nicholas here at Calvary Bible Church. Well, good morning, listeners. I'm really excited again to be in the radio studio with my friend, Patrick Rutherford, who is the regional director with Precept Ministries for the Caribbean. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thank you. And it is a good morning because we get to chat about godly wives, yes. and we happen to have one each. Amen. My wife's name is Beth, and your wife's name is Mona Lisa. Yes, indeed. So... Um, in basic terms, Patrick, what is a godly wife? Oh, my goodness. Pastor Rob, my, my default answer is going to be, I don't know, because I'm living it. Um, every day I watch my wife do something that just leaves me with my mouth open. 22 years of marriage. And when I expect her to do something in the flesh, she does something totally spirit-led that leaves me and all of our children just floored. A godly wife, Pastor Rob, to me is a woman who's willing, who has the audacity to live out the truths of God's Word in obedience. I totally agree. Yeah. I, it's not original to me, but someone has said that uh, a woman wants to work to be as godly that her husband has to go through Jesus to get to her heart. I like that. Because Jesus has her heart. I know that Beth loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally yeah. okay <laughs> with that. Uh, right. Indeed. Born again, growing, Bible obeying, and, and applying a woman who um, just models uh, an incremental um, growth in being more and more like Jesus with Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the blessings, you, could you tell us, what are some of the blessings of being married to a godly wife? Some of the blessings of being, well, the, the Word of God is going to stay in the forefront. Uh, I have this tendency, Pastor Rob, to do things on my own. Mm -hmm. My wife is so, ever so quick and diligent to make sure, Patrick, 
what do you think God's heart is on this? What do you think Great God's question. word has to say about this? Great question. And so that is one of the direct benefits uh, uh, for me immediately. Um, Pastor Rob, I've been married 22 years. And it's just in recent times I've discovered how important it is to pray. Um, my wife, during those 22 years, has been asking God if she and her husband could pray more together. She was making that her request of God, of God and letting God move on your heart as her husband. She never nagged me, Pastor. Wow, Ryan. that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I would say there's so many uh, uh, blessings of being married to a godly wife, uh, her quickness to forgive, mm -hmm. uh, the way she keeps confidentiality and doesn't uh, talk poorly yeah. behind yeah. my back to yeah. anyone else. I've yeah. said in the pulpit that if anybody came to me and said that Beth had run me down anywhere where I was not present, I would know they were a liar. That's exactly right. Because it would never happen. Oh, boy. She talks to me privately about things that um, I need to hear, uh, but she doesn't run me down no. in public, and I don't run her down in public. There are going to be unmarried uh, Christian women who are listening to us this morning. What would you say on this topic of being a godly wife? What would you say to the sister in Christ that's listening, and she's not yet married? One of the things I would say to that to that unmarried Christian woman who's listening today, if you're not prepared to respect your husband-to-be, if you're not prepared to submit to his authority in a godly fashion, you may not be ready for marriage yet. I think that's very true. I was speaking to a lovely uh, single uh, Christian sister in church, my study this uh, week, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things I shared with her was that... Um, God has made uh, men to be initiators and women to be responders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so any dating relationship uh, that would possibly lead to marriages, learn to take godly initiation from the man you're interested in and yeah. not try to take it over for you. Correct, mm -hmm. correct, correct. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the other thing what we've been telling our, our two daughters is this is that time period now for them while they're single to make sure that they're so grounded in the Word of God that when Mr. Wright does come along, God's Spirit has been so working in their lives that he doesn't have to shout. He just gives you that nudge and he's the one. That's so good. And you referenced Mr. Wright. Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of women who have uh, settled for Mr. Half Wright. <laughs> and uh, what I always say is that nothing changes when you walk down a, uh, an aisle of a church to a marriage altar. No. You basically aren't going to become a spiritual giant if you had no interest in the Word of God as a single. Correct. So uh, part of being a godly wife, if God wills for you to be married, is to be the, the godly single woman that God wants you to be right where you are. Right. Now, what would you say, Patrick, to the married Christian woman, someone who is a wife, a uh, Christian wife, uh, in, along these lines of being a godly wife? You know, pa Pastor Rob, a couple of sessions back, we talked about mentoring. And Titus talks about the older woman teaching the younger woman. Yes. I think every married woman should have an older woman, quote unquote, in their lives, someone who's mentoring them. Because they're going down a path that they've never gone before. Yes. And what great resources are in the church, in the older women who are able to say, sweetheart, when you get here, uh, if I may, think about the issue of menopause. How do you deal with that? You hear so many horror stories about what's going to happen when the big M hits. Mm -hmm. Well, if there's an older sister there who's able to walk you through that, guide you through that, be able to hold your hand, 
uh, through that, uh, however long it is, whether it's a month or a year or whatever. And so to the married woman, I would, I would say again, prayerfully be asking God for someone who can mentor you through the tough stuff of life. Oh, I think that's so good. It's countercultural to be a godly woman in our day, like it's countercultural to be a godly man in our day. And I would say to a godly a woman aspiring to be a godly wife is don't take your cues from culture. No. Don't take that from Oprah or television oh, sakes, or no. uh, advertisements Correct. or uh, even what some women who are outside of the church and some women, frankly, who are inside of the church who don't see things God's way. They don't think the Bible is, uh, shall we say, uh, relevant for whatever reasons. Don't take your cues from those sources, but like you say, be grounded and rooted in God's Word, mm -hmm. which involves making time for God's Word each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Rob, every woman who has called my house wanting to speak to Mona Lisa, and I, I can say this without any fear of being contradicted, my wife has taken the, taken the Word of God and said, Sister, let me show you what God's Word has to say. If you're going to be successful in this area, it's going to start with you growing in the Word of God. God's Word does the changing, not me. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, last thing maybe we'll say in this segment is that um, you may be listening say, well, how do I know God's Word well enough to mentor someone else? How do I know, how do, can I know God's Word to the point that when someone phones me, a woman phones me and says, this is my issue, that I know where to go in the Bible? Well, I would say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first stride. Indeed. So you may not be where you want to be or where you need to be, but just start somewhere mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. stick with it. And mm -hmm. God will bless your appetite for His Word, and He will help you to get a handle uh, at least a basic handle on what's in the in the holy book so it'll help your life in turn you can help others lives he promised he would yes, yes. Yeah. thank you brother Patrick anytime you've been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church Nassau Bahamas our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue we encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.